we all trying to give a little bit of help to someone else, mm. we'd live a lot better, you know, we'd have a lot better life. And a very warm welcome to a Bar Steward special. Um, my name is Lee Keys, and with me today is my special guest, uh, Dean Frost, a former Welling United coach that got Welling United promoted with manager Jamie Day into the conference back in the day, had the good life um, at a lower level of football, but certainly a, um, a decent standard. And, and Dean's here to talk to us today about um, his life, basically, uh, involved in gambling. Um, um, Dean admits himself he's a problem gambler. He, he, he sought out help. And uh, Dean, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for the introduction. That's a yeah. long time ago, about five, six years ago, but it was good times. But well, into, yeah, yeah, exactly. thanks for the introduction. Exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, we should remember our achievements in life, and I think you know that's it's it's, it's an excellent achievement um, with, with with a club like Welling. So right, so basically, what? What, how did it? I mean, how did it start for you gambling? What what got you into gambling? Um, as a young lad, um, mum and dad had a caravan or stroke chalet on a, a seaside resort down on the Isle of Sheppey. Um, and family, there was three, three or four of a, a family that had different chalets. So some nights it'd be in one chalet playing cards. Another night it'd be down to the bingo hall down um, on the coast. Or it'd be in the clubhouse where there, for me, it was, it was fruit machine. So it wasn't, no one was aggressively gambling that I know of in my family, but I was brought up in with, with gambling and cards, bingo and fruit machines in around me. So my first introduction, me personally, though, was a fruit machine. As I said, I said to you the other day, between the ages of five and seven, I can't remember exactly what year, but. I know that my mum and dad sold, sold the chalet in 1981, 1982. So it must have been before that. because And it was a fruit machine that had a £100 uh, jackpot. And I was standing there playing that, um, where all the other kids would be on a, a computer game, sort of Space Invaders or the Formula One simulation car driving uh, game. Yeah. I was straight away uh, attracted to, I, I don't know what it was, maybe the money dropping out the bottom of the um, machine or the lights or just watching someone else and I remember winning 33 pound and 33 pound I was pressing gamble on it and I remember all the kids around me running to my mum and dad going he's won 33 pound he's won 30 and they run back <laughs> and they collected it and they stopped it on 27 and I vividly remember buying and the reason I remember it I say it's not many things you remember as a kid at that age at early age but I remember going to buy I think some sort of dodgy Sergio Cicchini tracksuit the following day <laughs> down at Lays Down Market so actually probably the only time I've ever done anything with any of my winnings whenever I've won. <laughs> but that was my first introduction. So it was very, very young. No one stopped me. Um, I think, i say, maybe back in the day, things were very, very much more easy going, less strict. People just were, mums and dads at the bar having a drink, and we were allowed to just roam and play fruit machines, go out yeah. and play football. You know what I mean? It was a bit more free and easy, maybe. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I think I think back then, like you say, I mean, I mean, people of this day and age now probably think, well, well, that's terrible parenting. But but when when you think back, you know, like back in the day, you know, the older generations, you know, like you said, we were a lot freer and and allowed to to do a lot more and you know, run riot if you like. 
Um, and so I, I kind of get that because I, I was similar to you, you know, when you would go to seaside resorts, I was like 10 year old playing on all the slots and, you know, and everything else. So it's, it, yeah, it, the back, the back in the day, that was, that was the sort of done thing with, with some, not all kids, but some kids. Um, and, um, so what was there a gap? Did that, did that take place throughout your teenage life as well? Did it carry through? Um, probably didn't. I mean, I, I worked. I worked three weeks at Benbon Brothers in Margate. I don't remember the old only falls and horses. I worked there as a. I had to lie to say I was thirteen. I was twelve. I worked at, a, at the uh, at Benbon Brothers, which is a fairground, but obviously around fairgrounds and seaside resorts is fruit machine. So it was another probably period where I was always going to visit my aunt in Margate and Broadstead. So I was probably I didn't gamble compulsively as a. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old boy. But I was always in and around fruit machines. And my mum and my aunt, they loved a bingo on a, like, a Friday and Saturday. <laughs> so they weren't compulsive. Not that I know. My mum still goes today. And I don't I don't hold any grudges to my aunt, my nan, my mum, whoever. They they, they gamble comfortably. And without what without me, no, I don't know, unbeknowingly, but... I don't think any of them have got any problem gambling. They just enjoyed the, the social side of it and, yeah. and going out as a as a as a group, you know. So, but I was I was involved. I was in and around sort of that in, uh, industry and that sort of environment on and off throughout my my, my childhood. As I say, maybe the, the flashing lights at early doors with the, the fruit machines. But as I say I don't I don't what I would say I don't hold any grudge or any resentment to anyone. That that, that was just. I, I take responsibility for my own actions. You know what I mean? I don't blame my mum yeah. and dad for it, you know? But, um, so no, so, the answer to no, probably just intermittently, I suppose, through as a, as a child. Yeah. So, so what was, so when was the period that you can distinctly remember where things started to take a hold? Like, or, or, like, or you thought this, you know, what, what was the period? Do you remember it distinctly? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I, cut, I did look on the internet the other day, and I think it was 19, uh, sorry, 1999 or 2000. Uh, I was doing a knowledge of London, training to be a London cab driver. I was working in the gym at the, uh, at the time, as well, part-time as a, in the gym, trying to train to be a London taxi driver. My dad had a newspaper shop. I worked there in the morning. I read every newspaper from back to front. Um, <laughs> my gambling took off on one horse, and it was called, um, it, I see it naps in a newspaper one day. And at the time, I didn't know what nap mean, but it was obviously the pick of the day. I went to a place about it. I thought it's called a touch of frost. I thought that's got to be an omen now. <laughs> um, went to back it. It was a non runner. It would have been favourite. It was in. It was in a, a handicap race. It was in in something else. And then I look kept looking out for this same horse. Well, it ran a few weeks later. It was thirty three to one. It was in a handicap either at Bath at Salisbury. And I remember George Margaretson. I'm pretty sure it was Phil Robinson on the horse. And it led from start to finish. And it won. I had a five on it. Um, 33 to 1 it was the first time I ever stood in the betting shop watched the race like I, I can remember I stood in the betting shop watched the race and this horse won so easy and that was it I remember instantly thinking once I become a London cab driver and I earn a bit more money I'm going to do this as a job I'm going to I'm going to and I actually had the ump because I didn't put more on than the fiver on I had to yeah. really I had the ump so I wasn't even happy with a 33 to 1 shot and a fiver on it you know most people would be over the moon with that I wasn't happy. I said, my head went, why didn't I have a tenner on? So it probably started from that moment onwards. It was that, and it was a nice feeling, you know what I mean? Watching this horse leave from start to finish, I think it's probably one of the easiest winners I'd ever had, but looking back, I didn't realise at the time. But 
the thrill of it coming over the line and going to collect my money was just, uh, you know, it's probably what I, I was, I was working part time in the gym. That's what I earned for a week, uh, 25 hours, 30 hours in the gym. I was yeah. earning that and I earned, I earned it in te- uh, one minute. So do you do you think so? It's obviously the 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 dopamine and the and the you know the the adrenaline that you get from that. Do you reckon that that is what got you started on your journey? Um, you know, as a as a as a gambler, like as a you know yeah. taking it more seriously, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think initially, obviously, you I won I won a, a, a substantial amount of money for a, a, a might have been twenty. 20, 20, 21, 22 years of age. Yeah. So it was a, a substantial amount to win just for a very sh- a small outlay. So it'd be, it's, it's it, the thing, it, it definitely the do- later on down the line, I, I now, having done a bit of work on myself, I now look back and go, yeah, I, I gambled for the feeling. I like the feeling of the adrenaline rush, the loading up of the horses, the uncertainty, what's going to come out first, what's going to, is it going to just sit in behind? Um, and yeah, just being actively involved in that race. You know, so it definitely it, it it changed the way I feel, but it's the yeah. one addiction that's linked to money. So there's got to be an element of a one. So then my first ever bet on a horse really was that 33 to one shot. It won. So they clearly had some sort of it's got to be a combination of money and definitely the the buzz of standing you know of standing there and watching a, a race unfold. What's so what's what's the feeling like as? As 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 you know that that as that feeling you had that day. How does it compare, like so, as like a coach and doing your job and seeing something like Welling promoted? Is it that same type of adrenaline, or is it a different kind of adrenaline? Do you, do you know what the closest? I, I thought about this again, having done a little bit of work on myself. The closest I was to say the first thing coach was Jamie Day, and it was sort of, you do coach, you do your coaching during the week, you put the set pieces up. You, you know, Jamie would do a team talk. I might be allowed to talk for a little bit. And Barry Ashby, there was three of us, so might say a bit. And it's funny, as soon as them players went out the tunnel, so the warm-up was a bit different. You had a bit of butterflies in your belly. But when when that the referee buzzed, rang the bell or the buzzer for the players to go out, it was like a horse race because it's out your, it's now out of your hands. Yeah. So I used to get butterflies, um, not in my stomach, probably quite regularly running to the toilet before most a lot of players do you know so there has to be something happening in the human body when players are having to run to the toilet um yeah, <laughs> 10 minutes before the game starting or half hour before the game you know like it was, a, it was always a cute effect to go to the toilet. so there's clearly something happening within the human body so i'm quite interested in what happened to me but oh yeah that would that would be definitely what would happen to me i'll be um it's very similar to gambling um, it's you put your bet on, or you've done your t- all your set set pieces. You've done your team talk, and all of a sudden, then players are out and go it's out your hands. Do you know what I mean? So it's very similar. Yeah. It's the closest I would say. It was the closest I would say to gambling and being a football coach um, and seeing the, the players going out, especially as the games get heat up towards the end of the last ten games of the season. You go, we're, we're three points ahead here. We could win the league, or we're, we're in with a shout. Then all of a sudden, the, I suppose. The, the adrenaline heightens a little bit, you know. So yeah, definitely, there's definitely a relationship between that feeling, and I, yeah. I actually enjoyed it. You know, it's a bit, yeah, feel, yeah, you enjoy it. It's it's a nice feeling, you know. So, did you did you ever did you ever have um, card sessions on the coach with the players or? Uh, over the years, I I have had, and I've I think I've played the Fisher for about six months, and I, they had a pretty. I'm pretty sure they had a card school, and it got a bit tasty. 
<laughs> I'd become a cab driver then. Um, uh, do you know what? Funny enough, is one thing we sort of we didn't encourage them to do it on the weight of ground because we felt that if someone had lost a lot of money on the weight of ground, they're going to feel like shit when they play. So we didn't encourage yeah. it on the way. On the way home, maybe a few of them got involved. They might play play chase the ace and things like that. And a few might have played a, a bit of poker, but at Welling it wasn't so much. But a couple of other clubs, we, we all, yeah, a couple of other clubs. It was just a pound in, and everyone on the on the coach played chase the ace. Yeah, and you had three lives, but it really didn't. I don't recall it ever really getting out of hand at any any place that I'd ever been on the coach. Yeah, just, just digressing then slightly off yourself, just just for a short while. I'm yeah. just interested to know because obviously you've you've worked at a football club, and I'd just be intrigued to know. Um, do you do you think a, a lot of what contributes to players becoming sort of addicts and problem gamblers? Um, you know, obviously it's not widespread, but do you think it's contributed because of like boredom and you know things like that, or you know in, maybe in the pro game? Yeah, but I, I, yeah. I, I think I think probably more pro games. Obviously, it's like you're a full time professional. You're required to train. Obviously, keep your diet good, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but apart from that, I bet there's a lot of downtime. I would think. I think the downtime would be the a, a big contributing factor. But it'd be then what happened when I first bet. You know, what? So the question would be, or the sort of the way it looked, you go if twenty pro footballers walked into a betting shop. Um, you know, maybe, maybe 17, 18, have a couple of bets and walk home, happy with l- losing maybe 20 quid or 100 quid, whatever, depends on. And then there'd be two or three that are heightened to it and, and enjoy it. But it, so it'd be probably, there's a lot, of, I think, more that goes involved than just being bored. But definitely the downtime would probably be a definite contribution. I, I heard a rumour that the Cobham, Ladbrokes or Willie Mills was one of the, the, the largest taking. Um, uh, betting shops in the UK at the t- uh, maybe about 15 years ago with a certain few players that used to go in and bet. Wow. Um, so yeah, definitely downtime. Um, and yeah, it's it's, it's amazing because I often look at football. You get that buzz from the crowd running out into the pitch, and you know, but you're scoring a goal or making that last ditch tackle as a defender or getting that three points, and then your away fans clapping you off and they're singing your name. You think, oh, what else would? But when they when 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 that wears off. And they go training, and training finishes at one o'clock, two o'clock. They go right. That's it. I need a, I need another hit. So it'd yeah. be boredom, but it'd be why do why do certain players stand there longer than others? It could because it just you know they they they're heightened to that. Their dopamine hits higher than the the person next to them. Do you know what I mean, Mr. Smith and Mr. Jones, whereas Mr. Frost and a few others, we we give me more of this. I want more of this. You know? Yeah. So, and, and obviously, like a higher higher profile example, which was obviously on on the uh, on the television on BBC in a documentary recently, was was Paul Merson. What did what did you make to that documentary? What what, what was your like take on it? I, I thought it, was, it I thought we came across very authentic, very real. Um, I think. I mean, I, I had a conversation with other compulsive of gamblers in recovery. And, you know, some critical they can be critical of it, but go. He's got he's got the He's got the following, and he's got the, the he's a position in life where he can open up and 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 talk talk on TV, BBC One, um, and then he can he can open up to others that maybe sitting indoors going, do you know what I've got a problem, but I never realised it was a I didn't realise problem gambling is actually a an illness or a, a compulsion or addiction. I just thought it was me. So I thought it was good. I think you come across very authentic. It was very 
it had a lot of balance to it. It exposed really the, the dark side of the the gambling industry, right down to the you know the techn- where we spoke. Me and you spoke last the other the other day about the technology side of and the algorithms. That it's, 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 there's a there's a darkness to some of the gambling. Um, so we exposed that. I thought it had, it had balance. He, he spoke from his point of view. He spoke from the gambling point of view when I spoke to family. So it just gave the it gave it the, the problem exposure. And I I I particularly I really believe it's it's a it's a problem that's growing. But uh, I'm not criticising. You know, I accept my responsibility. But there is a there's a part that obviously the gambling industry could do more on. But that's the more technology and AI. Yeah, um, and, the, and, and the more fast, the faster sort of um, ways of losing money, or, like on the, the, the slots and the, and the quick spins on the on your phone. You know, you only got to lose your bet. You only got to get out of your bed to lose money. Yeah, I mean, we can come on to that in a bit, definitely yeah. in in depth regarding the bookmakers, and because I'd like to get your thoughts on 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 some of the practices, etc. Um, but going back to back to you again. Um, when when so when it when it took hold, I mean, I think you've you've clarified to, to me off air. You, you were more of a horse ground punter, am I right? I, I like I liked it quick, and um, mate, maybe it was because because I listened to put funny going back to Paul Merson. He said he liked the long drawn out sport like cricket, um, a basketball match, a, a football match, like six ninety minutes of a game. You know, he liked to be involved in the game for a longer period. I think he talked about baseball, American football. I liked something that was going to get me my money back quickly and, and that instant yeah. hit. So mine was horses and dogs. But maybe, again, going looking at the pathways, I, I, my, my first big win was a horse race. So maybe I had that nostalgia and that, that attachment to that one particular horse race that I won within a minute on a seven-furlong race. I think seven-furlong-mile race, I won within a minute, minute and a half, I knew the outcome. Um, so maybe that's why I liked horses and dogs because it was i got the, the result very quickly you know yeah um, so, so that was yeah in in, in um, i loved it i loved horses and dogs i don't know what you know the i listen russell brand talking about his addiction of um a heroin going to buy the heroin and he said i had this build-up of um the anticipation of buying the the, the heroin from the dealer and then yeah. the, the anticipation of going back to my room to do it and I think I like the the, get, the the horses and dogs. I actually love the build-up of watching the. Although I wanted the handlers to get them bloody horses in quick, <laughs> <laughs> I like the build-up of it. It was exciting, you know, like looking yeah. out. You know, if there's two blues, but I'm looking for the white cap. You know, like if you've got two Godolphin horses, we had to change the cap and go. I'm looking right. That's mine in there. He, he, he's in right. Happy. He looks nice and settled. It was all part of it. So I, I, I like the I like the quick and and over, but I also like the build-up to it, the anticipation. Yeah. So, so you like, yeah, you you love the sort of quick fix, the quick, you know, you wanted the quick adrenaline, the adrenaline to yeah. come as soon as possible, as soon as you could get it. Um. So, so obviously, obviously, time was passing by, and what? So, d- did you get yourself in a situation? Did you get yourself in a spot of bother financially before you went to 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 GA meetings, or or did or or did you realise before it got? very serious obviously there's different stages when people can spot they've got a problem some some people end up losing everything um and some people manage to get help quite early on and you know nip it in the bud um before it gets very serious what 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 stage were you at when you know when when it took hold well i knew i had a problem so i probably become a cab driver at 24 by 26 within two years i knew i was a problem i had a problem so i went to ga then 
So I knew in, um, at that stage, I was living with my mum and dad, so I didn't really have many outgoings. So all I was doing is spending my own money. Um, but on a, a couple of occasions, I'd borrow money from my mum and dad going already. Um, but I knew then, but it wasn't more that financial. I just, my head was gone. I can't explain it. I was in a, I'm thinking, I don't enjoy this anymore because I went past the stage of enjoying it. I, although probably it's still creeping having a, a in having a small element of, of the buzz and the adrenaline, but it wasn't giving me the same enjoyment. It was, I was actually getting the um, but probably I was continued. Most of the time I continued because I probably couldn't accept my money had gone. So I carried on going to claw some money back. Yeah, chasing. At 26, yeah. I never had a problem. And 27, I never had a problem. I, I remember my first GA meeting, I said, look, I don't care about the money anymore. I just want my head back. I'm gone. I can't yeah. only explain it. It's like mush or a bu- large bowl of spaghetti that's wrapped, unraveled. And I go, I just want to unravel this spaghetti. I want to un- unravel this spaghetti brain because my head is gone. It's gone a mush. It's crushed. Um, and so then it was, it was very different to now because it was now it's to the last time I gambled. It was combination. My head had gone, but I've done m- money with it as well. Loads of money with it as well. So, but, um, it's hard to explain that. I've gone through different stages of recovery. Uh, I've wanted to stop sometimes because I just want my head back. But later down the line, when I've relapsed, it's now obviously they say when you relapse, it's not low, it's not it's not slow and subtle, it's quick. And when you relapse, if my last bet was fifty pound, when I relapse, my next bet's going to be fifty pound because it's going to it's got to give me the same hit as a year ago. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So um, I knew I had a problem with twenty six. And I battled it until 40. I stopped on April to April 2017. Um, so it's, I've gone in and out and, and gone backwards. I've gone back to it. I've returned to it. I've returned to GA. Deep down, I always know GA work, but I just didn't. I just stopped going. Sometimes I just I didn't want to go. And in, in the end, I went back gambling. Um, and I always went back gambling. The first thought in my head, I control it this time. I left stress, strategic bets. I just bet on a Saturday. I only bet on football. I'll only bet on play spots. I'll only have a, 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 a two pound each way Yankee every Saturday. That'll do me. That's it. Um, uh, so yeah, I knew I had a problem twenty six, but I carried. I kept going because it was yeah. The, the the power of addiction is or the power of comp- and compulsion to gamble is, is so great. Were you but, more were you more a, a physical gambler, as in going into premises rather than online? I like I like being in betting shop again. Once again, it might have, it might relate to. Standing in that betting shop, in it was in Eltham, South East London, Eltham. It was a Coombs betting shop opposite the Midland Bank. It was when I won, won that bet um, with a 33 to one shot. So I probably I enjoyed just being even the shittiest betting shops that smelt of you name it. You know, like the toilets were never cleaned. It was disgusting. I could go in down in some of the basement uh, <laughs> betting shops in London, which had never seen a, a lick of paint for 20 years. They'd let let them to go rack and ruin. The damp had penetrated the walls. It was it stunk. <laughs> and I'd, I'd be in that. I'd, I'd like to be in that environment. Um, I actually tried a bit of foam, didn't enjoy it. I actually tried roulette in the betting shops, I didn't enjoy it. I, it was being in a betting shop, horses and dogs, and even computer. I even liked computer racing. That's how mad it was. Um, yeah. So yeah, I was. It probably I would say many of our experiences as gamblers would be where it all started and where I won. And I say I, I, why I, I think I like betting shop environments because of that first big win. You know? Yeah. I felt safe in there. It's really hard to explain. I felt safe and secure in a betting shop. Yeah. Nothing nothing else was it 
expected of me. Like life was that the world was outside, and I was behind this window and a, a shut door, just losing myself. Yeah, I think that's it. I think some people that I've spoke to, you know, with with problem gambling, do it for a release, a release from the job, the stress, the the daily life. That it kind of gets them away, gets them away from things, and kind of get that. But obviously, that leads to problems. Which brings me on then to to the bookmakers, Dean. Um, I mean, obviously now there's a lot going off in the industry. Obviously, they're obviously trying to change the industry. Peter Shilton, Paul Merson, uh, yeah. prominent figures that are um, very vociferous, um, particularly Peter Shilton in terms of uh, what he'd like to see. And one of the first things I'm going to ask you about is um, uh, bookmaker advertising on uh, like football matches and at half time in football, you know, there's lots of all it is is bookmaker ads, Skybet ads, you know, you, you, it's rife with it. I agree. So, yeah. what, is that something that you feel passionately on to to, to maybe curb that, or, or is that all right in your eyes? Where do you stand on that? I think there is. I'm very. I'm. I'm, I'm not a free. I'm free marketer because I think deregulation of everything just then it becomes the big guys win everything. I'm very, I'm very, I'm not an anti-capitalist. I'm not an, uh, I'm not anti-socialist. Or I'm, I'm a realist. So I look at it from a point of view. And go, I would say today it's just gone too far. Yeah. When, when I watch Sky on a Saturday, on a Sunday, um, half-time, half-time um, adverts before the game. You know, they give the odds. If you listen to Sky, if you listen to Talksport, you know they normally got someone coming on, giving you the prices and what the price. I think what is sadly it's done. And I care about the, the future, and not. And I care about people the game now, but I care really care about what's going to look like for the future for children. I think it's the, the adverts and, and in, in, especially bringing on famous footballers or famous actors and film stars to. It's been normalised and glamorised. Yeah. And so I think, for me, there has to be. I think in Italy they banned sports betting or adverts during games. I believe. There has to be, I think something has to happen in that area where we've really normalised gambling, and spe- especially football. I mean, I say I never, I, I gambled on football, of course, but I didn't really enjoy it. But it really, I, I, it, when, I'm, I, I, when I hear people talk, I, I was working on a building site during lockdown, everyone, all they spoke about is their, their football bet for sat, coming up on the Saturday, or they had it off at the weekend. You know, uh, you know, uh, or you know, even the next stage it was like cryptocurrency and trading. People think they're traders now as well. Um, yeah, I think it's become normalised and glamorised, and I think we have to look at the future generations that are looking at that screen and think it's just purely normal to gamble. Um, as I say, I'm not anti-gambling. I don't say let's stop gambling. No way. You know, fo- football, horses and dogs. Yeah, I do consider. I'm not sure about the t- online stuff, which is very uh, predatory, but yeah, I just think we need to curb it. Look at the. I think if you only got, I think the other last couple of years ago, I think it was 26 out of the 40 odd Premier League teams and Championship teams had bet in adverts on their shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's no, it's been normalised and glamorised, and I think I mean, yeah, there has to be something, some something has to to stop there, and government and uh, someone has to step in and, and 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 do some research and see what the effect is on 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 children and, and youngsters coming through. You know. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm I'm kind of like in agreement with you on this because if you th- if you look at it, if you see the slot, you know the slots uh, adverts and things like that. Yeah. Um, 
it, you see a lot of slot adverts after the watershed and, 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 and things like that. And the slots, as we know, is more dangerous than sports betting because, mm. like you, you highlighted the speed. I mean, it's a good job you didn't, you weren't into casino betting; it didn't do anything for you because you were searching for that high level of adrenaline. Mm. And and if you did enjoy it, slots and casinos would give you access to very, very fast highs and and lows. You know, yeah. um, and that that would have been. I mean, I'm I'm thankful for you on that that. You, you, you hated it, and it was just a case of I, I prefer the, the the dogs and the and, and the horses angle um, because obviously them races aren't going off as fast and you know etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But I'm I'm totally agreeing with you about the advertising. Um, I do believe um, it should be possibly after the watershed. You know, like mm. maybe maybe not on on football matches anymore. So completely concurring with you on that. Um, what do, do any have you heard any stories of like when people's trying to stop gambling that the bookmakers send them offers through when they shouldn't and free bets and things like that? Uh, um, countless. So uh, a guy that I was trying to help through recovery um, a couple of years ago <laughs> rang me up crying. Um, so he requested to be stopped to have his account shut down and with, um, within, within weeks he's receiving emails to return for a Hundred pound bet or three, you know, three, you know, if you win hundred, if you have an hundred pound bet, you go at three to one. All you have to do is give them the hundred pound back, and you get the three hundred quid. You get your stake, they you good from their stake money back. Yeah, so I've heard that. I've heard of uh, VIP account managers, so someone that's been gambling with a certain company um, for maybe a year decides to maybe maybe not have put an email, sent them an email, but just sort of detached himself from that gambling company sort of moved away and all of a sudden starts getting a VIP account manager email. So we haven't seen you for a long time. We, you know, would you, we welcome you back. We take you to Wimbledon. We take you to the races. We take you on a, you know, I've heard of four day holiday, four day holidays with their partners to Las Vegas being offered in order to entice them back to gamble with them. So I have heard it does happen with the emails. As I say, it's definitely with people that abandon themselves or block themselves with certain companies, they still get emails sent through to them. And also the other side is, say, someone detaches themselves or moves away from the betting company, hasn't used the betting company for a couple of months, and all of a sudden they get a phone call, like a charming fellow on the end of the line. How are you? I, haven't, I, haven't, I see you haven't been betting with us for a few weeks or a few months. Um, you know, could we, well, could we offer you back with a, this bet? And so there, are, there is a lot of dark stuff that goes on out there. And, um, yeah, that clearly is not good. You know, if someone openly acknowledges they've got a problem, it's a bit different if they haven't acknowledged they've got a problem, but you must be able to see on algorithms whether someone has moved away for a couple of months, maybe um, they're moving away for a couple of months for a reason. They don't want to bet with your company or they've stopped gambling. And then all of a sudden you're getting, say, a charm of man on the end of the line offering you a, something to incentivise you to come back. So, yeah, I've heard quite a lot of dark stuff. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I mean... It's- definitely a problem with 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 the bookmakers on that side and obviously some of some of the practices that they're using are obviously illegal because if if someone's self-excluded um they shouldn't be getting any contact um you know from 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 anywhere and so i mean like you said there's some really dirty stories uh, going on there uh, that obviously affect vulnerable people on this subject um regards to younger people um there's been lim- limits uh, imposed by certain companies or due, due to do so for uh, for youngsters so 25 and under 
the right. month monthly deposit limits now um, online um, is going to be five hundred pounds. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, is that just with one company? I think Paddy Power are the first to in, are going to be the first to instigate. I'm not sure if it's in yet. I think it is. I'm not sure. I'm not, I wonder not... whether. It, so what I say if it's five hundred pound one company, but you can put five hundred pound another. So in the end, you can have five hundred pound. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 Anything that they're trying to do is potentially a small bit of help. Yeah. But I know deep down for me, and I've sort of thought about, you know, I did self-exclude from a couple of betting shops, and they go, what was I doing? I'm kidding myself, because I, I, I blocked myself blocked myself from one uh, near Regent Street or the back of uh, Great Portland Street. And I'm thinking, I know, I know hundreds of betting shops. As a London cab driver, I can go anywhere. You know, like, so I'm, I was deceiving myself. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I was, um, yeah, so I always think it's, it's, it's good that the, it's probably seen as a token gesture and as some sort of, you know, like, uh, uh, gov- they're governing some sort of, they're regulating themselves and being sent to do something. But 500 quid is still quite a lot of money. And as I say, if there's 100, 200 um, betting companies out there, there's still a lot of money I can lose if I went five, went and put 500 pound in every, um, if I went and put five hundred pound in every uh, uh, betting, like in a betting account, you know what I mean. So, yeah. So would you would you would you be in favour then of of single customer view, which basically could identify you from? Uh, I'll give an example. You could have like a global betting card. That, yeah. That you walk into a betting shop and it it knows on that card it it could say stop you from. Um, like having more than so say if, if you are under 25 it'll be like 500 pound if you're self-excluded you've got to present that card to bet with and it identifies if you're a problem gambler or not etc etc would you prefer that way well that that'd be an idea wouldn't it you know so yeah so so under one database so all all, all betting companies have got you on their system and then they know what you're losing yeah that'd, do that'd the other the other side of the coin for that, though, would be, um, let's say, like somebody like myself, um, the, the bookmakers then would use it the other way around to stop winners. Yeah, because if yeah. they've got a single customer view, so basically, again, it, the bookmakers then are just trying to take advantage of of a situation uh, in this instance. But, yeah, yeah, get that as well. So, yeah, so it's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I... Uh, yeah, because I, I, I should say, I, I'm from the point of view, if you're winning, good luck to you, because I'd, I'd, like, I'd love you to take them to the cleaners. <laughs> yeah. And I say, good luck, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I, so I'll, I'll probably look at it from the gambler point of view that's got a problem and do looking for a solution to help um, that, that, those people. But at the same time, as I say, I, I'm, right in the, I'm stuck in the middle. It's like, it sounds like I've got splinters on my ass because I'm a compulsive gambler that's in recovery. I don't want people stopping... I don't want to stop your enjoyment, and I don't want to. If you make money from it, I wouldn't want to stop you from making money for it. I'll go good luck to you because I, if I could, deep down in my heart, if I could, I would as well. I'd like to join you, but I can't. So because I know, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it, that's a tough one. I, I mean, it, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want your enjoyment and your ability to win. Um, it, it, it is a quandary. Yeah, it is a quandary because I see the plus sides of of an SCV, a single customer view. I do see the plus sides. If the people that were running this project were, were honest and, and, and 
you know, basically didn't take advantage of the vulnerable and didn't get rid of the didn't get rid of the winners. But mm. what bookmaking business is going to do that? Because obviously at the moment they're protect, protecting the casino side of the business um, and throwing the sports side and the, and, the, and the horse racing under the bus because yeah. they know that the most profitable area is the casino business. So yeah. I can never see bookmakers being honest on, on a mm. single customer view. And, and you know, they're always going to want that person that loses more than they should. Sadly, that's just what they are. And that's that's what needs regulating. Um, and and so for me... Do you have a suggestion, another idea? What was it, you know, yourself? In terms- it, it's, I, do you know, I mean, if, if I was in charge, um, I, I, I mean, I, I can't have it that they can't identify real problem gamblers. I can't, I can't have... I, I think there's enough algorithms they've got online. There's enough experienced shop staff. I'm not saying all shop staff are experienced, but there's enough shop staff to put their arm around the customer and say, I know I know sometimes things can get violent. If you, I, I, There's lots of other problems, but I think if you there's, there's ways to identify problem gamblers and, and just offer the help and, you know, and just just say this is not not going to end well, kind of thing. I mean, it's it's like the the machines. I wish they'd put on the machines about how much you lose per one hundred pounds you put in, mm. like in a in a big big warning sign, just to make people aware that you're definitely going to lose in the long term playing the machines. Um, I think I, I, I think they what what they have got what what the what a solution could be is there's there's enough data analysts out there and enough technology out there that would clock up who's the way that the gambling who's compulsive and who's not yeah i truly believe that it's out there i don't think it's beyond the realms of come on we can work out via the you know the like like walk in a heart rate monitor you go right you know it's the way this person can go this person's compulsive right so so there's enough technology out there maybe it's time to to start using that that the, the data and the algorithm go do you know what this person's you might get people go, well, that's freedom of, you know, freedom of, you know, is it the Data Protection Act? But, but if, if it's to protect someone, it's very difficult at a betting shop. I was losing money like a lunatic um, one week. I never forget a weekend where I really smashed myself a piece and I'm thinking, she's just got to come out and go, Mr. Cabby, you've got to go. <laughs> yeah. You've been in here. You've been in here for like on and off for the last 72 hours. Most of the time that we've been open, you've been in here. You've been running yeah. backwards and forwards. But my eyes were blurred. I had pins and needles in my arms heart palpitations, but it's truly the, the one addiction that it's like when you're drinking, you fall over, but she's going, maybe she don't want to, you know, like you've got a young girl that's 21 to go, uh, Mr. Mr. Dean, you know, like you're, um, you know, do you think you should go home? You go like, you know, who's qualified to sort of work out whether I, I have a problem, but with data and analytics and say, you must be able to see who is, is, is gambling out of control. Do you, um, so the technology has to be there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially when it comes to the technology and us gambling on our phone. But, but for years... Should I'll show you this. Go on, sorry. Sorry, there's a book out on the 14th of October, so four days ago, and it's Paddy Power, basically, on Paddy Power's practices on what he does to customers. And mm. and it's like, there's a there's a chap that's got in touch with me. Um, he's he's lost his his family. Um, he's he's lost his business. He's lost a lot of money. Um, um, you know, we're talking six figures plus. Yeah. And um, you know, but he takes responsibility also. He's 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 assured me that 
I still take responsibility for my actions, but the practices of these bookmakers have been more or less evil. I mean, he, he was trying to, to give up. He was, you know, he was basically saying, no more, I'm not interested anymore. But he would constantly gain phone calls from VIP managers urging him to come back. Um, saying we'll give you a two thousand deposit bonus if you if you you know put in ten thousand things like this, and they just they basically had every penny they, they could out of him, and then served the affordability check papers after they knew he was finally finished, and and that is the kind of cynical behaviour that some bookmakers um, are practicing, and this is the kind of thing that that. This is where they're regulated in the wrong place. I think they're affecting too many genuine people at the moment that want a bet on affordability checks. Mm. And whilst you've got to help, I do agree, they've got to help problem gambling. There's more needs to be done. I do agree. Mm. Um, I don't think the current measures are of any use. I, I, I really don't. I think there has to be a, a sat around the table. People need to stop being in echo chambers. The lobbyists need to sit around the table with experienced people in the industry to point them in the right direction as, as to what is the right. I mean, for example, you got Ian Dun Duncan Smith the other day saying £100 a month for everyone is enough to gamble. I mean, what an idiot. What? How? Yeah. how how far is that removed from, from reality? It's, it's just... Uh, it's well, just the yeah. As a cab driver, I know a lot about lobbyists. You know the Adam Smith Institute and the Economic Institute of Economic Affairs. They have a lot to say, and they, 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 you know everything's driven by their own agenda and their own organisations that they're working on behalf. Yeah. They never notify who where they get the money from. So the lobbyists, you know, so they're the two biggest, and the policy exchange. They don't have to tell you where they get their funding from. I can assure you, I know where they get a lot of their funding from. They're all in the same street in Tufton Street, Westminster. Everyone, everything that group, um, and sadly. They will only work for their own interests, and yeah. um, um, I mean, so just go go back. I'll quickly share a story. You know, I, there was actually a guy um, I knew um, who worked in a betting shop. And later on, it was a he was a problem gambler, so he couldn't work in a betting shop. He changed career. Then he changed career. He went back to the betting industry, but worked in the the uh, when it was uh, it would have been a telephone centre. And I'm sure they still got. You can still book, ring through a phone. Uh, the odd betting yeah. company still must have. Tele I assume they got telephone betting. Yeah, yeah, yeah telephone betting. And he only told me. He said, "We." He said, "You ain't gonna believe it." And he was in. He, he, he was in recovery then. Um, and he went. He went. Oh, you cannot believe. It. He said, "There's guys winning with us on a regular basis, and they clearly got. They just know their stuff, or they have a. They have either a strategy, or they just. You know, they have a simple form, or they just. They follow the form, and they just bet on certain matches or, or horse races." He went, we've had to, we've had to um, cancel their, their subscription, uh, their, their membership. I went, why? He went, because they're winning. And he was telling me it, w it wasn't like he was going to make the, the bank, the, the, the betting companies redundant or, or out of, go out of business. It was, it wasn't a lot, of, lot of money. It was a fair money for someone, maybe a yearly wage, but it wasn't that he was going to put. He said we cancelled them, we cancelled yeah. the membership. And I go, I can't believe what I'm, I'm hearing. Now, as I say, go back to algorithms in the modern day. And I'm sure they're using algorithms to stop people gambling. Uh, he's a regular winner. Um, when it comes that's, to algorithm, we'll that's actually a very fair lose. point. Yeah. If you, it, yeah. If you can spot a winner, if you basically, if they've got algorithms to spot winners and work out who, who are the likely, you know, going to do a lot of damage to them in the long term, then they can they can probably spot pretty quickly who the people are that are probably going to do a lot of damage to themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. I worked in the gym. 
uh, I never forget, 15, 20 years ago. When people, so before I was a cab driver, so 20 years ago, and there was a guy that used to come in and he get, used to go on, on the cruises to play casinos. Because I said, why are you going cruising? He said, I'm banned from every betting shop in London. I said, why? He said, because I count, num- I count cards. I said, well, what's counting cards? Now I understand what counting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to me, my head goes, you're just playing them. They're going. Yeah, and the thing is, what you 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 even though you even though like sort of you've you've sprung on something there, so obviously a cleverer bloke that counts cards on blackjack, um, right? You can you can get people that'll go on cruises just to get a bet if they're excluded from say land based casinos, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this is this is the problem that, and I I get why single customer view is kind of a good idea if it wouldn't be um, abused, and it would be abused, and that's the sad yeah. thing. It needs to be run by somebody that aren't the bookmakers because yeah. the bookmakers would abuse this system uh, for their own ends. They aren't going to sacrifice their profit margins, um, you know, to, to satisfy. The, they, they will craftily make sure their profit margins aren't affected while still not protecting the vulnerable that are doing the money in, in the casinos, etc. I mean, Dean, this has been a fantastic chat. I'd love to love it, love love for it to go on forever. Um, but listeners, if you if you've got anything to add to this interview or any comments on it, or get in touch with me personally if you've anything that you want to share with me privately about bookmakers, problem gambling, anything really, I'm I'm up for listening. Um, and it's a sympathetic ear also. Um, certainly, you know, I like I like to hear both sides of the coin and. I think Dean's provided uh, his life experience there, and I hope you found that interesting. Um, just just to finish, Dean, um, you, I'd like you to promote your um, uh, gambling charity, please. Um, and yeah. what, what 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 does it do? And um, you know, how can we donate? So the, the gambling charity is called Gantam. So I've just become a facilitator in the last six months. I facilitate meet, uh, group meetings with other gamblers that want to stop gambling. That are, yeah. their gambling's got out of control. They've lost too much money, lost their head, maybe family, friends, whatever they've lost. Um, so I facilitate two meetings a week. It's called GanFan. So at the moment, if you, anyone wants to put towards, you'll find us on on on, on Twitter or is it GanFan.org.uk. The, the the charity was originally set up for family members, mums and dads, and husbands and wives of of people who were gambling, who were in despair. How the hell can I stop my husband gambling? Or how can the hell can I stop my son from gambling? I don't know what to do. So a guy called Steve Watts set the organisation up um, in order to help family members. And he set it up about 18 months ago, and he's been very successful in helping a number of families around the, around the world, actually, in particular the UK, um, get to grips and understand it. Because many partners and, and, and mums and dads think sometimes can take it on board and think it's their problem. And get very angry, get very impatient. Why the hell are you gambling? So, that, you know, so he's trying to find a way that he, can, he gives support to family members, mums and dads that are in despair. Um, as I say, six months ago, he also set a meeting up for the gamblers. And so I support, I provide support for people that want to try and get on the right road, stop gambling and, and help, you know, get their life back on, on track. Um, excuse the pun, so that's a bad pun. But um, <laughs> yeah, also, I would also recommend people, you know, so it's, what, what me and Steve also do, we don't just sort of say, just come to a come to our, our, our organisation. We only have two meetings a week, but there's Gamblers Anonymous UK. I, I recommend people go on the website. If anyone's struggling, if anyone goes, you know what, I am struggling and I've had enough of this, then there's Gamblers Anonymous and there's also an organisation called Gamblers in Recovery, which is all on Zoom and they're worldwide and it's all free. they're all free. So my, the charity I work for is GamFan. 
www.dotalk.uk. Um, you can find them on Twitter. But I'd say also we 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 do support and we do sort of encourage people to use Gams Anonymous and Gamblers in Recovery, which you'll find all on. If you Google it, you'll you'll come up on the um, website. Great, um, great stuff. Yeah. And the last bit is I just we're talking about youngsters and we you know and you were just saying about um, I don't think it was highlighting Paul Merson's and this last bit I want to say. Also, I think people need to be aware of what's happening with gaming. Yeah. Where kids are playing, uh, those that are gaming at 10, 11, 12 are all being prepped for, to be future gamblers or future consumers. And I know we live in a consumer society and I say I'm not anti-capitalist. I'm certainly not. I like, I like a nice pair of shoes and I, I like some nice stuff in the world. <laughs> but I'm also aware that I can overspend on shoes. I can overspend on, on gambling. I can overspend on anything if, if I choose to. So also just if anyone, any parents are out there, you know, do, do, do some research into what gaming is potentially doing to the future children. It is a pathway to gambling and a pathway to excessive consumerism and maybe cryptocurrency and trading. So if you look at Fortnite, which the, a lot of the young boys play, and Roblox, Roblox, which the young girls play, in it, there's lots of little bits of gambling that uh, won't be known to the children yet, but as they get older, it'll be probably tapping into the same receptors and the do- they're probably getting the same dopamine hit as what I get. So I'm not saying everyone's going to become a compulsive gambler, but I, I would just say it needs to be made aware that so please look at your, your children's gaming and see what they're playing because it's it, I truly believe it's the pathway to the uh, creating the next wave of gamblers. Agreed. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest out there. I've read papers on it myself that a lot of gambling problems come from from the childhood, etc. So, yeah, yeah. so you know, once it's bedded in, great advice, Dean. Um, so that's GamFam Charity uh, on yeah. Twitter. If you want to find that on Twitter, uh, Dean Frost's username ID on Twitter is Frosty267. Um, if you want to look on that on Dean's profile page, I, I shall be making a donation to, to GamFam Charity after this show. Um, and if you want to make a donation or, or or if you resonate with anything dean says dean's get in touch with dean um uh, on these matters because uh he's there to help with any problems and i hope also you like this show because like i said we give the other side of the coin rather than just the uh bleating on of the and the moaning from myself on the professional side of things when obviously there's two sides to every coin um, and I do wish also that the lobbyists that were lobbying against the gambling industry would also sit around the table with us and discuss it so we can come up with proper solutions, mm. but that suits all parties. That's the main thing. At the moment, it, it possibly might only suit one party, but then suit no parties, because if the greedy bookmakers get their hands on these um, regulations and, and are arbiters of these regulations, then the bookmakers are only going to carry on doing it for themselves and no one is helped. So there mm. we go. That's uh, me and Dean uh, on Problem Gambling. I hope you enjoyed this show and uh, there'll be more on this this subject as time goes on. I'll, I'll get more guests to come on and chew the fat with me. That's all from me and Dean. Bye for now. Right, the show's over, boys. Thank you very much.